Welcome to Fix with the Professor, the podcast where a real statistics professor. And a boo-boo to his yogi bear, Jake. Gives you sports betting tips. I'm Professor Sides. You can follow me and find all my picks on Twitter at Professor Sides. You can follow my friend Jake on Twitter at my friend underscore Jake. Today is Monday, March 7th, 2022, and this episode covers today's best college basketball bets. In case you're new here, I built a mathematical model that predicts what the spread and total should be for every Division I college basketball game. And information along with a graded A, B, or C pick for each of today's games not covered in this episode is available in the Google Sheet link in the show's description. A picks are the ones I love, B picks are the ones I like, and C picks are the leans. However, please remember that good and bad variants will occur, so as much as I'd like to say the model will be profitable each and every day, that is an impossible reality for any gambler. And a quick reminder about our schedule, we will do an episode all seven days of this week, so we're going to bust out a Sunday episode, we'll break down all of Sunday's conference championship games. And if you guys can help us get to 1,000 YouTube subscribers by the time the bracket is released, we will do a special bracket episode the Monday after the bracket's released about 150 ways. So if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button, share with others. We really appreciate it. Jake, before we get started, what is one thing we need to know? So with all these tournaments starting up and everything, you got to keep an eye on the injury report like and what the team situation is. Does a team like Wisconsin with Johnny Davis hurting his ankle last game, do they – hold back and let him heal if it's a little on the rougher side and like not really trying the Big Ten tournament because they're a lock. Does a team that's a, on the bubble that like Wyoming, like with Hunter Maldonado, if he's sicker than what seems to be reported, do they force it? Like does he force it and try to give it a go to make sure his team gets to play in March? Or even teams like Baylor and Seton Hall, do they try a little harder, try some things. If some guys come back from injury, like LJ Cryer or Bryce Aiken, did, like, cause those guys have been out for a while. Do they try to get them in the, in rhythm before the tournament? So it's kind of a thing to keep an eye on there for what the injuries are, where, how long they've been out and when they're coming back and what it means to the team. Yeah, it's a good point. And uh, something else just to consider here, you know, we have, a, we have a lighter slate today, so we won't talk about as many games. So I do want to take a second here and just talk about something to keep an eye on going forward. A couple of teams that have kind of, uh, you know, figured something out um, that might be of note here during conference tournaments. Memphis, obviously the big one, they've really gotten rolling. And we've talked a lot earlier. We were, you know, we faded Memphis a lot early in the year and that made us, you know, a, a lot of, a lot of profit there. You know, we, we talked about Penny Hardaway and his struggles coaching, and, and and I'm not sure he's necessarily figured anything out as much as we say he's recruited really well. He's got a lot of talent. We knew there was a lot of talent there, and he's kind of got the right pieces going, and, and we'll see how it goes next year. But but he's definitely turning things around there, and they're, and they're really rolling. So, you, you know, it's not to necessarily say that some of those early season issues won't come back, but right now they look really strong, look the team we thought they would be. So that's something to, of course – um take note of we talked about you know florida state maybe figuring something out um a little bit as well and then nebraska is the other one that you know they've been playing really well the last few games i kind of mentioned this a little bit last week kind of wondering like, hey have they kind of figured something out that big win against ohio state they ran penn state out of the building and, and obviously penn state's not great but nebraska was worse than penn state and they just ran them out of the building and so and they just beat wisconsin right so it's like they're they're playing really well too we kind of wonder you know obviously you know great coach there uh thought that that this year would be a building year and it, and it just did not happen for so long maybe it's starting to happen now so does it mean i think they're going to win the big 10 tournament right it just means they might cause some noise they might be a team that can cover right uh they might win a game who, who really knows uh of course but it, it's just something to keep an eye on there that, that some of these teams that 
we kind of had our perceptions of all season. A couple of them might need to tweak a little bit, and those are just a couple that I wanted uh, to point out before we get to tonight's games. There are 10 games. We're going to talk about uh, six of them in one you know, form or another. We're going to start off with Furman at Chattanooga. The model makes this 139 and a half. The total is 142. So I'm taking under 142. Both teams have good offenses, but both teams slow it down a little bit. They're both reasonably under on the average number of possessions per game. Uh, it's very similar to that USC-UCLA game that I talked about on Saturday where I said when these two teams play at the same pace and they're kind of similar, you kind of know what you're going to get, which made that a very easy over uh, in that game. And I think this is the same thing, except I think it's an easy under. Um, the fact that it's a title game should just drop the total even lower. We just need to avoid overtime. But both teams are going to slow this down enough. I see it being very difficult for it to get to 142. Jake, what do you think here? Do you think that Chattanooga can keep their hot streak alive and cover one and a half? Yeah, I think they do. They've, they beat this Furman team both times during the year. Um, they've got a very good offense, as you mentioned. They've got the best player on the floor, Malachi Smith, and that always helps in these tight games. Both teams are very solid teams, and either team, I can think, right now they're projected, at, like UTC is projected to win, and uh, in a 13 seat, and that would terrify me if I'm like yeah. Illinois, Providence, UCLA, or Arkansas was projected at that four seat that they run into. So that that would scare me so much. Um, they won by, and they also the big thing is they Chattanooga won by six on the road. So if you take that back to the neutral site, that that looks closer to double digits. Um, but Furman has a great offense, and it looks really good if you look at their efficiency numbers. But if you dive a little bit into that, it's because they are so good at shooting the three ball which I'm not trying to take that away from them. They're hitting 38% on the year, which is crazy, and uh, making about 11 a game right now in their last three, which is insane amount. But Chattanooga's defense guards a three ball very well. They hold opponents to around 30%, and I think that's the biggest difference in this game is that Chattanooga can guard that, that three ball, and they rebound very well. And I don't think they're going to get – Furman's going to get enough second shots, and I don't think they're going to get enough open threes for that to really get their offense going. Um, and I think if Malachi Smith does just enough again to get, get them into the tournament and really put the fear of God into somebody that they're matched up with. Yeah, and, and Chattanooga's been a team that we've both been on a lot. They've been pretty good to us. Uh, I was on Furman minus nine yesterday and, and they got the win, uh, but it was a tight game throughout. They never sniffed that cover whatsoever. So I'm going to say the same thing about this game that I'm going to say about the next game, which is I, I don't know necessarily if I love Chattanooga in this spot, but I definitely would not play against them here. I would not back Furman. That it's, it's, to me, it's either uh, you're either on Chattanooga or uh, you're passing on this no, that makes It's really hard to beat a team three times in a row in a year, right? Because the losing team is going to be changing their game plan up, and if you're winning, why change your game plan? Right, right. Uh, next game here, San Francisco at Gonzaga. I've got another under pick for us here, under 154. The model thinks it should be 152 and a half. Gonzaga was an over team early on in the season, but I think the numbers have overreacted. Of course, they do have a fantastic offense. I'm not going to take that away from them, but they've been a more under team than an over team the last month or so. I've been mostly on that, and it's done pretty well. Uh, the exception to that, of course, would be the last time these two teams played. 
uh, a couple of weeks ago. It does feel like Gonzaga hasn't played in a long time. They did have an entire week off since that St. Mary's loss. But earlier that week, Gonzaga did play San Francisco, and that game went uh, 89-73 at San Francisco. So a couple of nuggets there. First off, um, San Francisco at home, going to throw everything they have at Gonzaga to try to win. So, and they weren't holding anything back there. They, they couldn't win. Um I think that leads, kind of like you just talked about, I think that's going to lead them to changing their game plan up a little bit. I don't see why they would try that same thing. It clearly didn't work. We know that the totals drop a lot here in these conference tournament games. I think that what we saw from Gonzaga against St. Mary's is a balance out from what we saw against San Francisco, right? Gonzaga puts up you know 90 points basically at San Francisco. I don't think they're going to do that again. But they aren't going to be as bad as they were against St. Mary's either. And so I just, when you when you factor all that together, I just think 154 is just too many points here. Um, have to avoid those crazy 20 points in the last minute foul situation that's obviously on the table. But in general, I think under the smart wager here that everyone sees Gonzaga, sees how much they score, and everyone's just going over, over, over. I think that's giving some inflation there. Um, I also would probably wait a little bit on this total. I think that more people are going to come and bet the over. I think this number's got some room to go up just because I think that's going to be the perception here um, with this one. But I'm going to say the same thing here I said the last game. I'm not sure I love laying the 13 with Gonzaga, but I sure as heck would not take the 13. We saw how good uh, Gonzaga was last time two times he beat his play. San Francisco is just completely out of class. I don't see any way that they uh, that you have to that you feel confident about taking those points. So maybe you lay the points with Gonzaga, maybe you don't, but I sure wouldn't want to be on San Francisco. Jake, I know you are on Gonzaga. Tell people why they should feel comfortable laying that big number. I mean, Gonzaga is an incredible offense, as we talked about. Um, they The only weakness you can point out in their offense is their guards aren't really that great this year, which is <laughs> saying a lot because, I mean, they're still really good, but they're not, you know, at the top of the game. So, But they've got two great big guys, right, with Chet Holmgren and Drew Timmy, who both can step out and shoot. And both can play with the back of the bucket and both very athletic. And that's that's where the difference in this game. If you look at both previous matchups, those two guys were well over twenty points in each game and then uh, they had some help from the guards because San Francisco, as good as they are defensively, they don't force a lot of turnovers and they don't have a big guy that's athletic enough here. And so since they've only got one true really good big guy and he's questionable tonight. So, like, that makes it really tough because, okay, if he matches up on Timmy, they're, they're going to take Timmy outside and let Holmgren play close to the bucket. And if it's the other way around, they're going to send – they just get the foot flop. And it's – I think Gonzaga is just going to run them off the table. Mark Few is a great coach, and giving him a week to prepare for what was a very predictable matchup um, is going to be deadly. But the San Francisco team does have – like, I like the underplay. They do have really good defense and – Right, and like they've got a lot to play for because right now they're projected the eight nine line. A win here could send them away from a one seed and help them get to the second weekend versus seeing a team like Auburn or something like that that can take advantage of them. Yep, I agree. We talked about San Francisco having a good defense there, uh, lends to that underplay. And like I said, last game they they have to look back at that and see that did not work. We cannot try to run up and down the court with this team. They will smoke us. And so I think they've got to try to slow that down. But I'm kind of like you. I just, I, that doesn't, 
you hear that and you might think, oh, that means take the points. I don't think so. I, again, it, it's either a lay it or don't play it situation for me, Jake. You're laying it. I'm sticking with the over. I think you got two good looks there either way. And the other West Coast Conference semifinal, Santa Clara at St. Mary's. St. Mary's is a five-point favorite. Taking another under here, under 138 and a half. I've only got three B underplays of the 10 games, but they're all in this pot. I don't know how that happened. Um, in general, though, again, this time of year, we want to look more under than over. That's the flip of the last month. We'll look more overs, and those overs were fantastic. Uh, but here, I just, again, think this is too many points. Both these teams can scale it down. I see it being a closer game, a tight game. And I think that, especially in that second half, I think this is going to be a they're going to really value the ball. It's going to become um, just a grind it out type. Uh, probably first five minutes feeling each other out, and then most that second half. I don't see any way this game gets near 140. Uh, Jake St. Mary's is a five-point favorite. They just got through beating Gonzaga their last game out. Surely they can beat Santa Clara, right? I, I would even think so. They split during the year, but I'm actually riding Santa Clara here. I think it's going to be a really tight game. They've got a decent chance to pull this off. Um, the most recent battle at Santa Clara, Santa Clara won, um, and it was a, about a five, six, seven point game. I can't remember the exact score there, but um, they are Santa Clara shoots the ball so well. They they're just absolutely raining threes on teams and can really get going. Whoever controls the pace of this game is going to win. Um, but and like St. Mary's has a really good defense. Their offense isn't quite there yet. Uh, they've got some pretty good guards that they can score. It's really that third, kind of third player. Each time, if you look back into the box scores, the team that had the best third score won the game. And that's really where it goes. And you really need, for Santa Clara to get going and Santa, Santa Clara to win, um, they, they you got to watch for P.J. Pipes. He is... Not, he's not their best player. I think he's the second-leading scorer, but he's one of the best shooters on Santa Clara's team. In their win, he went five of seven from uh, three, and, and that's just super hot. I don't know how you let somebody hit five on you, um, especially if they're only taking seven. But Santa Clara has so much to play for here because they're right now they're not in the tournament. Right. A win here <laughs> gets them into the tournament. I mean, they're they're going to be in the NIT, so it's not like they don't have a postseason here. But nobody dreams of playing in the NIT, right? Okay. It's the NCAA or bust, and that's that's what they're wanting. I, I think they can do it. Um, but it really depends on the pace. Like you said, the first five minutes is going to tell us a lot about the game. If it's a little, if you're getting a lot of points in that first five, and you get to see a quicker pace that leans more Santa Clara's way. Um, but that, that's where I'm at on it. Yeah, I think uh, I think Santa Clara, you know, can control the pace while still it not going out of control, and that I think, um, you know, they just don't want to play overly reckless, I guess. That's the thing. And that's where sometimes Santa Clara has been a very variable team because sometimes they just get reckless, right? And that leads to a lot of, sometimes a lot of great threes right in a row, right? Or at least, you know, a lot of turnovers, that sort of thing. So as long as they're not just overly reckless, I feel, still think they can kind of, obviously we know St. Mary's wants to play that suffocating defense, wants to play this game just like they did against Gonzaga. They want to play this game in the 50s, right? Um, Santa Clara does not want any part of that necessarily. But as long as they just don't go too reckless, like I said, especially that first five minutes and most of that second half, as long as they're careful with the ball, you know, they don't necessarily have to take 
all 30 seconds of the shot clock like St. Mary's would be perfectly fine doing, right? But at least take 15 to 20, right? Get a good look. Don't necessarily just jack up something within five seconds, that sort of thing. And so as long as they don't play overly reckless, I think um, that'll be better for them because they won't turn the ball over too much and they can still play a little bit more high scoring uh, and get as close to that number. But I still think under, and of course, if St. Mary's controls the game, then this obviously goes under too. So a couple ways that under hits. I, I, I like where, you're at, where your head's at. They're just taking the points in a game that, who really knows what's going to happen? I've been talking about that a lot. And it's a solid look there as well. Which takes us to what we were calling Solo Jake. I don't love the name Solo Jake. We're going to talk about this Louisiana-Georgia State Sun Belt uh, title game here. I'm going to throw out some different names this week. Just see what sticks. Today I'm going to call this Rake with Jake. We'll see how that sticks. Uh, Jake, you've done fantastic in these segments. 16-3-1. Just a phenomenal uh, record here. And again, the, the segment kind of being games that you like that the models don't really have an edge one way or the other on the side or the totals. So the models just kind of like, I don't really know. In those types of games where you've had an edge, you've done fantastic. So what do you have for us here? Georgia State is a three-point favorite against Louisiana. See, I, I like Georgia State here. Um, this this should be this is probably the best game to watch of the night. It's gonna be a tight. Everything on the line, right? It's win or go home. Uh, but Georgia State is a favorite this year. It's five four and one, and Louisiana is an underdog. It's five four and one. Oh, so it's, it's, it's kind of interesting thing. Um, Louisiana's second leading scorer has this question with a knee injury tonight, and so if he's not playing at a hundred percent, that that really brings them down. Um, they're not a great team uh, offensively they're 265th uh, offensively they hit 31 percent of their threes and shoot seven and making seven a game that means they're shooting quite a bit with a lot of misses to get to that seven a game um but and then uh george state's got a really good defense they rank 81st in uh turn they rank 81st in turnovers per possession with, with only 16 which is fairly good um, it's not great, but it, it's not terrible. Um, and but these teams are very similar in how they approach the game. But Louisiana struggles taking care of the ball. They want to play a fast pace, and they're up there. They rank 349th um, with their turnovers per game, with almost 16 a game. And Vermont, there, there's only 358 teams in college basketball, so that's like it's in the bottom 10 there. And they really they don't force turnovers. Um, they don't guard the three point arc. It's it's really not great defense. I think um, Georgia State with their defense is going to be good, and this will be the last you really hear of either team because after that the projected winner is a 16 seed, and it's looking at Gonzaga, I believe, right now, which is the number one overall seed. So the projected winner is really a 16 seed. Yeah, yeah, like, according to Bolinari. Right. So they, that they, really blows my mind because usually the team coming out of the Sun Belt is a 14 or a 15. The fact that they would be a six. Now, now you say that they're projected to 16 now. There easily could be some bad teams. Yeah. That, and that's why. So, so they probably won't be a 16 because there probably will be some worse teams that win their conference tournament and bump them up. Right. But what you're saying is that if all the number one seeds win, they'd yeah. be one of the worst ones. And that's. Yeah. Interesting. Usually the Sun Belt's a little better than that. Yeah, I, I agree. It's just not – they don't have it this year. And, Interesting. Uh, it's, it was wild because when I was looking at it, because it took me a while to find them because I was looking for those – Yeah, like, looking at that in that 14-15 line, yeah. Yeah, and then I was like, oh, they're they're, they're trying Gonzaga at the moment. That's wow. a great time. So 
Yeah. So they're going to need a lot of upsets because they, they really need to get up to that like 14 seed to really yeah. have a chance to, to pull an upset, right? Yeah. yeah, it's not going to be great basketball being played, but it's probably the one of the more entertaining games because of what's on the line and who they've got going. And you also don't have to stay up till midnight on the East Coast. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, that takes us to our overtime A plays. I have one for you. I am calling it an A-plus play. 6 p.m. Central South Dakota State. Minus eight versus South Dakota. I've done well backing South Dakota this year. I think they're outmatched. They lost both times South Dakota State already. We talked about that. It is hard to beat a team three times in a season. But I think that more so applies to when the matchups are tighter. Uh, kind of like we talked about with the San Francisco Gonzaga. I mean, San Fr- uh, uh, yeah, San Francisco Gonzaga yeah. thing, where when you're just really outclassed, what are you going to do to change it up, right? And I think it's the same sort of thing here. Like uh, South Dakota State won by 10 on the road, won by 19 at home. This is a neutral site game. That doesn't mean I think they'll necessarily win by, you know, 14 and a half, right? But that's probably closer than eight. I just think that South Dakota is really outmatched here. Even if it's tight at the end of the game, they'll foul in South Dakota State. Uh, and then I've got one buzzer beater. My best B-side for you here, the other Summit League game, 8.30 Central, whenever that game ends, right? Uh, Oral Roberts plus one versus North Dakota State. I think the wrong team is favorite. I think Oral Roberts gets the win, and then they can lose the next day to South Dakota State because South Dakota State is the class of that conference. Yeah, I, I like both those picks. I love the South Dakota State team. They they play a fun version of basketball. It's fast-paced, shoot a lot of threes, score a lot of points. So that Those Summit League games have a pretty high point totals if I remember correctly. Yeah. So it's, it's gonna be it could be fun basketball to watch just because a lot of points. Not a lot of yep. points. Yep, not not quite as crazy as the Southland games, but like yeah. one notch below them. They're, they're actually <laughs> a lot of fun. Yeah, and so with a light slate tonight, there's not really any games that I'm lines wise that I really like right now. But uh, something I always like to do this time of year, and I always think it's fun to sprinkle, like, and obviously do this responsibly. I sprinkle some on some long shot conference tournament winners, so I've got a few of those for you. I like this Florida State team at plus five thousand. That's a great return if if they happen to do it. If they can get by Duke, they have a really good chance. They're they've won their last three in a row, and they're getting somewhat healthy, not all the way healthy like they were when they won seven of their first eight ACC games. So. And Leonard Helms is a great coach. Got him playing right now. It, it could be worth a little little sprinkle here or there to get a good return. Also, like this MTSU team, um, so you go, they're plus a thousand. They're the one. They're the one seed in the East Division of this. Um, they really just have to get by UAB, and then after that, UAB is the favorite to win the tournament. So after that, it's not smooth sailing, but it's a lot easier on their side of the bracket, and then. This Monmouth team, that this one's not as high of odds. They're plus six fifty, but they're they're the four seed. They also own wins on St. Peter's and Siena, who are on their side of the bracket to stop them from getting to the championship. And they have two single digit losses to Iona, and one of those being a one point loss at home. So anything can happen in one game. So if they can get to the championship, this stand a decent chance of winning. And I will add on those in general. Uh, you're probably a little bit better off rather than taking the future, taking the money line on each game and rolling it over. So just something from a mathematical standpoint, just to consider, especially depending on what your options are, right? Take a a look, because a lot of times the conference championship odds in a lot of books, a lot of times they throw a ton of extra juice on those and you're just not getting a lot of value. So just something to consider and, and think through. And if you want maybe 
you know, test this out, map it out yourself. See what if what if you were to put money line on each one and just and just roll over the winning. So if you were going to say, you know, put ten dollars on Florida State, right? What would happen if you put ten dollars on money line, ten, et cetera, and just roll over those winnings? A lot of times that works out to be better. Not always, but kind of a nine times out of ten. So something just to consider there if you like those. That'd be kind of an alternative play. And then you'd have yourself some options too. If Florida State beats Duke, right? You could keep some of that back as some profit and then roll the rest of it over. So, I mean, you just have some interesting options there. So something to think about uh, for those three uh, options that Jake gave you for the conference championships, which is all we have for you today. Thanks for tuning into another episode of Picks with the Professor. A reminder, check out that Google Sheet for picks on all of today's games not covered in this show. If you haven't done so yet, please click that subscribe button. We'll get you a new episode every weekday and Saturday during the college basketball season and a one-time Sunday episode this week. We'll see you tomorrow. Until then, remember, you need your betting money, but please don't bet your eating money.